Thank you for listening to the First Baptist Church podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcottawa.org. There are a couple of things that I really, really enjoy doing, and I was blessed to be able to do one of those yesterday with our grandchildren, and one grandchild in particular. Uh, Our oldest grandson and I, we kind of have a a thing. He likes to play the word game hangman. And so we go back and forth, and let's just say that I'm known for having some Pops special words where I take it as my, my goal in life to expand his vocabulary and putting words in the hangman game that no seven, soon to be eight-year-old should ever know. One of those yesterday was a word juxtapose. Yes, I'm playing hangman with a seven-year-old, and I use the word juxtapose. And, and of course, this morning as I approach the the message, we do stand at a juxtaposition place of Paul speaking of the story of the cross, Christ crucified, and Isaiah 58 that was read so eloquently by, by Pastor Warren and Jesus talking about the light of the world and the salt of the earth. The message this morning is really going to be a juxtaposition of the story of the cross and the story of the prophet and Jesus' exhortation to be salt and light. Another thing that I have always cherished doing, whether with our children or now with our grandchildren, is reading stories. Like reading stories, one of the most special times in life is is that that little routine, those moments before bedtime, or if they're awake, if they'll allow, I'll read them a story anytime that they'll bring me a book. I love reading stories. I love to read in general. We want to see where the story goes. We want to see all the flavors and contours and texture and humor and meaning in the story. And this morning as we come to the juxtaposition of Christ and Christ crucified, the story of the light, and the prophetic words in Isaiah and Jesus' exhortation to be salt and light, we, we are presented the story, the story of Jesus, the story of Jesus we're invited to live into, the story of Jesus we're invited to inhabit, the story of Jesus in which we are invited to participate. We're invited into a story that, that can amaze us and inspire us and humble us and teach us and form us the story of Jesus the story of Jesus that is constantly being explored the story and the person of Jesus and and Paul says that he is going to just preach Christ and Christ crucified to a church the Corinthians that had all kinds of spiritual gifts and they were fascinated with wisdom and with charisma and charismatic gifts and maybe some things of the world it was a rather potentially wealthy city all kinds of things going on in Corinth and in the Corinthian church and they're arguing over who is the wisest teacher and the most eloquent preacher and who baptized who and which gifts are most important and Paul says stop all of that I'm just gonna preach Christ and Christ crucified 
Like, stop all of that. It's not about secret knowledge, secret wisdom, wisdom, Jesus as some kind of spiritual mystic or the great universal source of love, although he can be all of those things. But Jesus, at the end of the day, is the revelation of God's divine love for us. And Jesus ends up laying down his life and being crucified. Jesus, who, who came, who lived, who taught who healed, who forgave, who died on the cross and on the third day was raised again and ascended to the Father. Jesus, the story of Jesus. So Jesus is potentially, as the Jesus Seminar years ago wanted to say, he was maybe a social revolutionary. Well, I would say he was a social revolutionary. He turned things upside down through the life and obedience and love that ended up with him being crucified. They, they may have tried to say that he was, a, he was a great mystic. Well, I would say he definitely is a mystic that can lead us down the road to a contemplative life and, and to exploring spirituality. But Jesus is rooted historically in the Jesus who surrendered to death, even death on a cross. They, they may have said that, that he was the universal force of cosmic love, and that, that is the language that some may use, and certainly Jesus gives us the window into the loving heart of God. But the clearest picture is the juxtaposition of crucifixion and the revealing of God's love. Jesus is all of those things, but the story of Jesus, sometimes perhaps the church in Corinth, they wanted to talk about secret wisdom, like the Gnostics or others. Perhaps they wanted to talk about, about who was most special or whose gift was the greatest, or even about speaking in tongues or something like that, as Paul addresses later in that letter. But the story of Jesus leads inevitably, tragically, beautifully, revealingly, to the cross upon which the principalities and powers are defeated through the co-suffering love of Christ upon which through the co-suffering love of Jesus the radical forgiveness is is procured is offered is given is demonstrated like all of those things and more we don't have enough words to describe that which takes place the story does lead to the cross and the story that leads to the cross leads us to encounter Jesus in our need and in society's brokenness, encounter Jesus in the one who addresses the power of capital S sin, like he encounters the very power that makes everything go wrong. I, you would agree that there is a power that seems to be at work in the world and, and in us. Tragically, mysteriously, that causes us to be less than we would desire to be. That as Paul exclaims in, he says in Romans 7, he says, oh, the, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, those are the things I do. Who will deliver me from this wretched body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's a power at work. And then when we look at history, we see some things like Something about the 20th century, a bit of World War I, certainly the Holocaust and World War II, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then now, like all apartheid in South Africa and more and more, like the illusion of we humans can progress our ways out of the mess we're in, 
we need some help from outside. We need one who has walked among us and who has borne our sorrows and our brokenness and has defeated the power of capital S sin and has instituted the beginning of a victory, has placed the victory, the marker of victory in the ground for us to live out. So we live between the story of Jesus crucified and the call of the prophet and call of Jesus to be salt and light in the world. One of, the, one of the implications for this and one of the things that just in, in, the, in the church world today, it seems that we try to figure out how to, how to be the kingdom and be the church and grow the church through, well, let's get a little more wise. Let's get a little more hip. Let's get a little more cool. Let's have our worship be a little more cool. Let's do this or let's do that. And let's have the best marketing strategy. strategy. Let's have... Let's have better audio visuals. Let's have this. Let's have, I mean, you know, all the things. Y'all know all the things. Have you heard the conversations? Have you had the conversations? Huh? I don't have anything but God, that is your work in places that are exploding. But, but I'm, I'm, I don't know. Paul said, I'm going to preach nothing among you but Christ and Christ crucified. I don't have a message of church growth. There's not a message of, of if we just do this, we're going, to have a, we're going to have a house full. But if we're going to preach Christ and Christ crucified and juxtapose that story with being salt and light in the world, we're going to make an impact. And if making an impact is going to draw people to draw people, and if making an impact is just making an impact, then the world's going to be different because we have walked the way of the cross and the way of the Savior. That Ottawa's going to be different. That the communities are going to be different. And, and that's, where, that's where that story of Jesus and the cross, like Jesus dying on the cross, is, is that which is to transform us so that we might be transformative agents in the world. As we reflect upon the life he lived, the death he died, the price he paid, we're changed. We're humbled. We're transformed. We're forgiven. We're, we're sent out. You see, Isaiah is announcing a message, a stepping on toes message that it is not just about coming and, and worshiping and offering your tithes and fasting, or, or we might say it's not about singing the songs and singing the hymns or raising the hands or crying the tears. It is about loosing the cords of injustice. It is about feeding the hungry. He says, if you want God to be near you, then take care of those around you. If, if you want God to listen to your prayers, listen to the cries of the needy around you. If you want to have a thoroughgoing journey and relationship with God that you feel alive, then pay attention to those around you. He is saying that over and over, be a repairer of that which is broken, the streets that are broken. When we see the world broken down, then we take the message of Jesus co-suffering, radically loving, welcoming love, and we take that out into the streets around, and that becomes the story we live the story we tell the story that transforms like the cross is more than a ticket to heaven when we die Jesus life message Jesus came Jesus lived Jesus died Jesus rose again that's not just a transaction to make sure that we got a ticket that is a revelation so that we have a life and that the world has a life. That is a revelation of transformation, a revelation of divine love that's to be lived here and now that has forever consequences and forever rewards. But it is not about a ticket. 
Like churches everywhere. Like I, I just got to tell you, I get weary thinking that we have dumbed down the good news of the gospel to a ticket. As if it's just an entrance exam. Like, listen, I'm thankful that we have assurance of the sweet by and by. But Jesus never intended to live the story he lived, teach the lessons he taught, teach about salt and light and, and touching the leper and, and giving sight to the blind and welcoming the outcast and calling tax collectors and sinners to, to repentance and to follow and to be welcomed at the table. Jesus didn't live the life he lived in order for us to go, well, we're just kind of passing through. We'll just leave it all. I can't, I can't wait until, you know, like, Lord, just get me out of here. No, he's, we've got a job to do. He's prepared good works in advance for us to do. That's Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. The response to grace is to do the good works that he's called us and prepared in advance for us to do. So Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. What good is salt if it's lost its saltiness? What good is salt if all it ever does is stay in the church and scream at the world outside? <laughs> what good is salt if it never gets out of the salt shaker? By the way, my dad, God rest his soul, never had any problem getting salt out of the salt shaker. <laughs> Mom would salt it. Dad would salt it double. But you know what? If it didn't get out of the salt shaker, it wouldn't change the food. If it didn't get out of the salt shaker, it wouldn't do any good. You are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. So as we reflect upon the story of the light, the story of Jesus, the story of Jesus who loved so much that he came and walked among us, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. As we reflect upon the story of the life of Jesus, we are called to be salt to preserve that which is good and, and to drive away through the light that which is not good. We are called to be the light in the darkness, not to hide it under a bushel or to keep it inside of sanctuaries and sacred places. The light is to get out, hide it under a bushel, no. We're be making a difference. We are to be serving meals and back snacks and benevolence and compassion and seeking to welcome the those who feel most left out we're to be working in causes and in ways that are transformative for the world where there's injustice we're to be bringing justice where there's despair we're to be bringing hope where there's hunger food where there's not housing how do we begin to take baby steps towards something like transformative agents in the world of salt and light we're not to hide it we don't gather and talk about jesus just so we can feel better do we although that is a byproduct. Huh? It is a byproduct. But we're called and sent out. In reading in Fleming Rutledge's book, The Crucifixion, Understanding the Crucifixion of Jesus Christ, six, seven hundred pages, she tells the story of a 
Pentecostal scholar, preacher by the name of Thomas Smale, who when he was young, now you got to keep in mind the background, the charismatic Pentecostal background of one Thomas Smale. And he was young and in that environment of speaking in tongues and believing that there needed to be an interpreter, Thomas Smale was practicing that gift, of, not practicing, he was demonstrating the gift of speaking in tongues. And when he was young, a woman in the church interpreted and she interpreted and said that what he was saying without knowing it was the way of Pentecost goes through Calvary. The Spirit is given from the cross. He never forgot those words. He never forgot the power and the transformative. Like, we don't have we don't have the expressions. We don't have anything apart from the fact that Jesus came, that he died, that he died for us. He died for the forgiveness of sins. He died to overcome the principalities and powers. He died to overcome the power of the accuser, of the Satan. He died in our place. He died paying a price. He died dealing with sin, all of those things and more. And so we don't get the rest of the story unless we acknowledge the story goes to Calvary, it goes to the cross. Leonardo Boff is a scholar that I read a book many years ago, The Passion of the Christ, Passion of the World, and the whole idea is to take that which Jesus took upon him, the passion of the Christ. His passion was co-suffering love. His passion was to lay down his life, and we take that out into the world transforming, working to overcome, working to do, to be salt and light in the world. Now the cross does end up, the story of the light does end up being personal, but that personal is to be communal and corporate. We can't keep it to ourselves. Certainly, I would encourage us, and there would be times, and as the Lenten season comes soon, and we reflect upon the way of the cross, and as we think about Jesus giving his life there? We think about verses of Scripture like God made him to be sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. We, we think about verses like, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we still were sinners, he sent Jesus to die. We, we think of Jesus' own words, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. We think of words of the letter to John, reflecting John 3.16 and 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So when we bring our own sense of inadequacy and failure and less thanness and fear and as we bring our own woundedness and and hurt and disappointments and betrayals as we bring ways in which we feel like we may have not measured up and missed the mark and as we bring ways in which we feel like uh, well we've been the mark and we've been hurt as we bring all of that to the cross we find ourselves loved there seen there understood there welcomed there and the longer we reflect and meditate upon 
the message there, we find ourselves potentially being set free, made whole. That forgiveness begins to take root in us, and as it takes root in us, then it flows through us. That healing and wholeness begins to take root in us, and it begins to flow through us. That love that flows as through Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That that love, when that flows, as we reflect that love, we begin to feel like maybe I am loved after all. And it begins to flow through us. You see, it's a story that once it gets to us, we can't keep it to ourselves. It's got to get through us. We can't help but be conduits of that which has taken place of the story of the light. So this morning, as we reflect upon the juxtaposition of being salt and light in Isaiah's prophetic words, is this, this is the fast that I choose. And we reflect upon Paul speaking to a church that was fascinated with knowledge and gifts and charisma, and he says, I'm just going to preach Christ and Christ crucified among you. This morning we come to the table where on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he looked at his disciples at that, in that upper room at the Passover meal and he said, this is my body, broken for you. He's telling the story they've known and the story that he's getting ready to live very soon. He tells them this cup, this cup reflective of the deliverance at Passover, of the blood on the doorpost. This cup is my blood shed for you, the new covenant. This, this blood, just remember, he's, he's almost forecasting. When you see the blood flowing from my body upon the cross in a few short days, in a few short hours, remember deliverance. Remember the freedom. Remember life saved. Remember, this cup is, a, is my blood, the blood of the new covenant. So this morning, if you are here, the table is Jesus' table. Jesus provides he welcomes. If you're here seeking after Jesus, you are welcome at this table. It is an open table. It doesn't belong, certainly not to me, and it doesn't even belong to us. It comes, is generated by the Lord Jesus Christ. He invites you here to the table. So we'll come from each side and around and return to the middle taking the bread and the cup, and we'll receive together when we come back to our seats. Join me as we pray. O God in heaven, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, by your Holy Spirit's presence, may these elements be consecrated, set apart, touched by your presence to become wonderfully more than they are.
May we partake in the mystery of the bread and the cup. May we find our own brokenness addressed, seen, oh, healed. May we find our own less thanness and sin. May we know the sweet taste of forgiveness as we come to the table. May we find ourselves seen, known, and loved through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the First Baptist Church podcast. We invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 930 in Ottawa, Kansas. You can find more information about our church at www.fbcottawa.org.